0: Well, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. I hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, uh, thank you so much for being here. My name is Todd, by the way. If uh, I don't know you, I'm really glad that you're here. How about our worship community choir? Didn't they do a great job? <laughs> thank, thank you to all of you who serve uh, on a, in our choir, and uh, we, get to, we get to experience and, and, and join in worship with them uh, once a month, and we're just so thankful for them. I'm thankful for the two people I have on stage. Uh, I'm joined by Terry McCree and Mark Elliott, so why don't you guys give it up for Terry and for Mark this morning. <laughs> they just gave themselves a round of applause. I like that. That was good, Terry. I like that. So we, uh, we are ending our series uh, for HHI. Uh, today. It's our last in this abbreviated series that got interrupted by um, Hurricane Irma. And uh, boy, but we had last week on our 10-year anniversary, we had a big celebration. How many of you were out at Shelter Cove Park for the celebration? Wasn't that awesome? Yeah, awesome. Oh, thank you so much for being there. And uh, we had a great time. It was something that we wanted to do for the community, and we have needed it, haven't we, For the, because of the last year and a half with our Hurricane and a half, I'm going to say, hurricane and a half, I guess. So uh, anyway, it certainly wasn't a half of a hurricane in Florida, and we need to continue to be praying for them. But today, I want to talk with you about uh, different types of community that we find in the Bible and what that means for Hilton Head Island Community Church and what it means for you. And so we're going to be talking about the community out there that we uh, kind of like demonstrated last week, but we're also going to be talking about internal community that we have with each other that's hard to, it's hard to take place here on a Sunday morning. And so we have groups. And uh, so I've asked Terry and Mark to share their experience in group life at Hilton Head Island Community Church, and I'm going to um, begin with Terry and just uh, ask you, Terry. Thanks for being here today. Appreciate it, Terry. You lead a group. Tell us a little bit about your group that you lead, if you would.
1: We have a group of amazing women. Um, it's we meet on Wednesday mornings, and this group is uh, a group that loves to study together to pray together, to serve each other, to have fun together. We laugh a whole lot. Um, and, And to serve together as well. And we do all kinds of studies. We do video studies where we look at a topic and how God's word leads us in fear or whatever it is we also focus on God's word and yeah. just study his word.
0: That's great. Very good. I know you have help from uh, Sonny McCarran who's Amazing here. Amazing co-leader. Uh, in, in fact, why don't we do this? If you're a group leader, uh, would you stand for a moment? I, I just want to thank all of our group leaders. Would you stand if you're one of our group leaders? Or There you go. Very good. Thank you all so much. Those of you who serve in that capacity, we had a bunch in the first service. And um, but tell, I got to you know, one of the things that I know from my own experiences is as a leader of a group, you, you kind of like learn a little bit more as a leader than maybe sometimes as a participant, and also that, that affects you spiritually. Tell, tell us a little bit about how you've grown spiritually. By leading a group, Terry, if you will,
1: I, I think when you're leading a group, you're kind of doing it twice or three times or four times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so you really are focused on when you're focused on. Okay, I'm I'm going to be leading. So, how how do I do this and. Mm-hmm. I pray a lot and, <laughs> and ask God to just to just be a vessel and to guide me. And I think the most important thing about being a leader is being available to God. And yeah. he will show you and give you what you need in order to lead the group.
0: That's great. I, I love that. Now, Mark, you're involved. You and Mary are involved in a group. And, of course, you're involved in a group that I, I'm a part of uh, on Wednesday mornings. Tell us a little bit about the groups that you're involved with and how you guys got there.
2: We... Um, <clears throat> My wife and I have been active in small groups since about 1992, Mm -hmm. we figured out. And we came to this church. We moved down here a little more than two years ago. And we just didn't have that feeling of connection that we wanted to have here. So we got involved. We went through uh, group link and got together with a group, a couple's group, on Tuesday nights (laughs) and absolutely fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. And the people that are in our group... uh, help, they, we share. When Irma came around, we had an invitation to stay out in Sun City. We had an invitation to go to Atlanta. Uh, we chose to stay here and obviously ride it out, but uh, just the, the, the connection that you make within those groups are second to none, and what we've been exposed to are family promise. Uh, there's people in the group doing uh, Kairos. There's. know to spend the evening or uh, be able to cook as part of Family Promise and the connection to the church and getting to know the people and the fine people that that we have here and one one thing I'd I'd like to share is if you're thinking about a group don't think you have to be a biblical scholar and that you're going to be quizzed everybody (laughs) has that uh, fear that you know am I going to fit in how is this going to work and That's not it at all. Uh, You will be welcomed. You will be Mm.
0: embraced, and it will be very fulfilling. Mm, Man, that is such a great point. I'm glad that you pointed that out, Mark. And one of the things I I love from what Mark said is that whole idea of connection. And uh, occasionally one or two of you might come up and say, well, I've been here for a while. You just can't meet anybody. And I'm going to ask you a question when you say that. I'm going to say, hey, are you in a group? (laughs) Because uh, that's really the way to get connected to the life of Hilton Head Island Community Church. And and really that's true at any church. And uh, so, man, I love your testimony uh, about getting connected into the life of the church. And, um, you know, your group has has served the community. Tell us a little bit more uh, about that as well, Mark.
2: Well, we've been able to, uh, members within our group, uh, for the first hurricane, we're very active in the cleanup. Mm. Uh, There's members from our Wednesday morning men's group. Uh, That group, I think we started with six, and last week, I think we had 18. So uh, it's growing very, very, very quickly, and that's just awesome. But. Uh, we got to cook at Hilton Head High School and serve the uh, teachers on one of their institutes. And we got to uh, cook for Todd's going away party uh, about a month or so ago. So.
0: Todd Cooper, just to clarify. Well, you know, yeah, I'm not leaving. We, ha- we haven't told him yet. We're not leaving. But,
2: <laughs> no, Cindy yeah. can stay. Cynthia can stay.
0: <laughs> oh, Cindy can stay. <laughs> I'm gone. Okay, thanks, Mark. Appreciate <laughs> it. Interview over. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Yeah, you guys served, uh, served our students. Uh, and we serve on, the students on and his going away party. He and Sammy. Yeah, that's right.
2: Yep. And that's a new yep. ministry we're going to do that uh, yeah. Tom Upchurch is going to help me with. He doesn't mm-hmm. know this yet, but <laughs> we're going to build a uh, uh, one of our trailers to uh, take a roadshow with with cooking and some ways yeah. to serve the community.
0: Who knows where where that that's may right. take us? But yeah, uh, absolutely. We're looking forward to it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's going to be great. We're excited about it, and that's how really uh, you know the internal community of a church can connect with the community that we live in. And uh, what, what a great way to do that, through groups, through people who already are praying together and living life together. You guys, Terry, have experienced, and you guys have been involved in outreach as well in our community. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, we try to do a service project at least once a semester, and we've been involved with volunteers in medicine. We've also been involved in serving some of our first responders, the sheriff's department. They were very surprised. It was a lot of fun to do that. And uh, we're also involved in in serving uh, Hopeful Horizons uh, for women who are dealing with domestic abuse. So that's one of the joys, because together we work on the project, and then we go out and serve, and that's just the most important thing Mm. so we can bring people more to Christ. Christ.
0: Mm, that's fantastic. And I'm very thankful for both of your leadership. Uh, Mark has been uh, also is going to be involved in, in helping lead our group as well, I'll do a little devotional at the beginning. And so um, Mark and Terry, thank you so much for all that you do in the life of our church and with our groups. And why don't you give it up for them one more time this morning. Thank you guys very much. And. I'll be excited to call Mark a little bit later today. He's from Michigan. He's a Detroit Lions fan. I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan. They're playing each other at 1 o'clock. So I'll be giving you a call later, buddy. All right. Um, yeah, let's, before we dive into God's word, let's just pray and let's uh, ask God to be with us and to guide us today. So would you join me in a word of prayer? Father God, thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we as a church have to reach into our community or reach out into our community. And to make an impact. And God, I thank you so much for group life. And I thank you so much for people like Mark and and like um, uh, Terry. God, I thank you so much for their commitment to your people. To facilitating groups of people who can grow together. Who can pray together. Who can study your word together. And share life together. And God, I, I pray for more. I, I thank you for Chris um, God McBride who, who leads our effort from a staff standpoint with our groups. And God, I pray for, for, for more of that. God, I pray for more leaders, more people who are willing to lead or, or facilitate, uh, God, a group. And, and God, for, for today as, as we dive into your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us and that you would guide us. And, God, I pray that you would convict us where we need to be convicted, that you would um, encourage us where we should be encouraged. And, God, I thank you so much for your word and for your life that gives us the example to live by. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Someone came up to me um, as soon as the party was over last week, the 4-HHI party, and said, uh, looked at me, and they said, 1,500 people, and I went, you're crazy. You are crazy. No way it's 1,500, but we estimate we probably had 600, to maybe 1,000 people there. And um, uh, it was kind of the culmination, for hhi was the culmination, that party was the culmination of really... What we've been involved with over the last month, and that's really a focus on on this ten year anniversary of, of our church. And last week's message was, "Look what God has, has done, and and let's be expectant for what He is going to do." Because it's not about this church or this church's name. It's not about me, and I'm sorry to tell you, it's really not a whole lot about you. Uh, but we are looking to see what God is going to do, and that's what we've been all about this past month. And so today we bring that to to a conclusion. But a lot of you uh, had these uh, little wristbands, and you can still uh, get them. They're right around the corner as you leave today that say 4HHI. I had someone come up to me and say, Man, I know what the HHI stands for. I'm trying to figure out what the FOR stands for, which I thought was so funny, and we had some funny responses on that. Um, but uh, we, uh, we, kind of launched this new, not really a new initiative, but maybe a rebranding, if you will, of our community outreach, our our ministry to our island, to the community in which we live. And and that's what 4HHI is all about. 4HHI has been a message series. 4HHI was was a community party really to celebrate our community and just to enjoy each other and to uh, serve our community uh, last week. But I got to be honest with you, 4HHI is, is not just a message series, and it's certainly not just a party. It's not even just a rebranding of what we do in the community. 4HHI, I believe, if we take seriously the mission that God has given us as a church to passionately share the message of Jesus and to lead people to follow him, I believe that for HHI, a focus on our community, the community in which we live, I believe that it's going to be something of, 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 of a call, something of, of a cry, a movement of people. And I believe that God has placed you and Hilton Head Island Community Church and those who call this your home, I believe that he's placed us in the unique position in our community to say we need to be about the people of our community, that we need to be about serving them and we need to be about caring for them. And from a spiritual standpoint, we need to be about taking the best message that's ever been given, the best gift that we've ever been able to receive and taking that into our community, as we talked about last week, to be salt and to be light, light in a dark world. That's what 4HHI is all about. And those of you who got the the T-shirt, which, by the way, um, you'll have a way to order those in the future. I had a lot of you come up to me after the party and say, Hey, where can I get my shirt? I I didn't get in early on it. That's all right. There's going to be more opportunity for you to do that. We're going to set something up online, and and so be looking out for that. Um, But on the back of those shirts... It has a hashtag, which is a social media thing. If you have no idea what a hashtag is, um, you'll need to Google that after the service, all right, and somebody can explain that to you, but um, it's, it's a way to, to describe what we're doing because it says on the back of those shirts, hashtag, love where I live. And you know, it's interesting, um, you might hear that around Hilton Head Island, um, love where you live, love where I live. It's something that we say often because we live in a beautiful place, don't we? We see it every time we drive down the road when we're not focused on the plate right in front of us going 25 miles an hour on 278. (laughs) But when we glance to the right or to the left, we see the beauty of God's creation, don't we? We see it in the sunrises and the sunsets. We see it when we take a walk on the beach. We see it when we're out on a boat in the ocean. We see it when we look at The beautiful landscape of the South Carolina low country and the beautiful marsh. And we see it in all the wildlife that we witness around and all the creatures in the sea that we we get to witness. We live in a very unique place. If you play golf, this is a golfer's paradise. It's part of the reason when Jeff Cranston called me 10 years ago and he said, Hey, would you and your family consider and pray about moving to Hilton Head Island? I said, I already prayed about it. And they just said it's true. it's true. Absolutely. Those of you who play tennis, you've got a great place. Hilton Head Islanders, we don't like spending much time inside, right? Maybe a football game here or there. That's it. We don't like spending time inside. We like to be out because we love where we live, don't we? It's a beautiful place. But that hashtag, love where I live, isn't just about the beauty of the creation. It's not just about being able to be active outside, outdoors in the community in which we live. For us as a church, love where I live has different meaning, has a different meaning, has multiple different meanings. It means that we love where we live. We love the community, and we love the people who make up that community because that's what we see Jesus doing in God's word. So today, as we take a look at that, I I want us to answer the question, how? How are we going to do that? Today, I want to give you three ways that I believe God's Word can help us understand how we can truly say, I am for Hilton Head Island, and I love where I live. So today, we're going to bounce around into mainly three different passages in God's Word, and we're going to be taking a look at what I believe God's Word has to tell us about how we can truly love where we live. First and foremost, if we're going to be people who say, I love where I live, then we're going to be people who say, I love where I live when I love the people where I live. Where I love the people. When I love the people where I live. You know, in Jesus' ministry, this is so funny to me, he had basically two different types of people that, that he encountered in his, in his ministry life. And in his life, in his 33 years and his three years in ministry. He, he had two different types of people largely that he encountered. He had um, non-religious sinners. And I realize that word is not a popular word to say um, today. And it's not a, a very good descriptive word in our political correct society. But it's, it's how the Bible describes it. And so he dealt with like non-religious people of the world, sinners, quote-unquote. And in that day and age, it largely had to do with Gentiles, all right? So largely. And so Jesus encountered people who were non-religious sinners. And then the, on the other end of the, the spectrum is Jesus encountered people who were uber-religious hypocrites. Does that sound a little bit like life sometimes? Does that sound a little bit about like what we might have to deal with. We either are are, are encountering or involved with or we, you know, have our day goes up and down between people in our lives who are like non-religious sinners or, on the other end of the spectrum, uber-religious hypocrites. And so Jesus encountered those kind of Wide, um, like, you know, groups of people that were completely different, completely unique. and, And Jesus had passion for one, and he very often was frustrated with the other. But the group that he was passionate about is not the group that we would think a rabbi would be passionate about. And the group that he was largely frustrated with was often not a group of people that we would think that a rabbi, like Jesus, would be frustrated with. We see this played out in Luke 15. Check this out real quick. Luke records this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. Who is him describing? Jesus. Yeah. Some of you are with me. That's awesome. Stay with me. All right, here we go. Verse 2. It says this, and the Pharisees and the scribes, those are two groups of people that would have been considered those, you know, uber like hyper religious people. It says, and the Pharisees and the scri- scribes, I want you to say that next word with me. They what? They grumbled. That's what people, and I'm putting myself in this camp for a moment because I've probably done this a time or two or a hundred in my life, that's what typically uber, overly religious people often do is we often look at the landscape of something and we grumble about it, we complain. And so... We see here that the tax collectors and the sinners, those are two groups of people that typically wouldn't be associated with a rabbi. They came close to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes, these religious people, they grumbled and they said, this man receives sinners and eats with them. You see, Jesus was doing something that most religious people, most rabbis um, would, would have been mocked and, and, and kind of sent out to pasture if they did, and that was he spent time with the non-religious people. And we see these uber, hyper-religious people kind of putting their glasses on the end of their nose, looking down at Jesus with hate and judgment and mockery and saying, you should not be spending time with these sinners, Shame on you, Jesus. And there's a few things that occur to me when I read up to verse 2. First and foremost, Jesus was not afraid to spend time with people who were not religious. He was not at all afraid, even being a rabbi, even being God's son. He was not afraid to spend time with people who the strong religious group of that day would marginalize and possibly judge. And the second thing is is that Jesus wasn't afraid to spend time with them, but he never participated with them in their sin. And we need to be aware of that. In the well this past week, we talked about what do you do in our student ministry? What do you do if you have like a friend or someone who's in your life that your values begin to get different and you realize it's time to kind of, you know, like bring that relationship to a close? And, And we talked about the fact that we can go to one extreme or the other. We can go to the extreme that we never associate with anyone who has a different value system as ours or we join in with their values. And Jesus spent time with them, but he drew the line and he never joined in with them. And then the third observation I have is that being in the very company of people who were considered sinners infuriated the religious people of that day. They, they judged and they hated and they made a mockery of Jesus. Verse 3. So Jesus told them this parable. Man, when Jesus ever like rolls out a parable or a story, look out. Whoever he's telling it to, it's gonna be it's gonna be like smackdown time with Jesus, all right? And so he does that here. He says this, hey guys, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, in verse 5, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And Jesus tells this parable, and I'm sure a few of the scribes and the Pharisees here are like, What's he telling us this story for? Got another story he's telling us. And then he he lays it down in verse 7. He says, just so, I tell you, there will be, what's that next word? More joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And sometimes sometimes, People who teach on this passage will misinterpret this to say that it's a good idea to leave the crowd to go get the one. That may or may not be a correct interpretation of it, but I believe what Jesus was trying to to help us understand was a bigger principle, and that is, is that his passion and his heart was to reach, to love and reach those far from God. Those who had a huge separation between them and God because of their sin. You see, Jesus loved his community. And he often will take the, the religious people of the day or the uber religious people of the day and he'll, he'll, he'll tell them, look, I, your, your religious community is fine, but I want you to be passionate for the lost cheap and i gotta tell you hilton head island community church if if we ever get to the point where our christian activity our religious activity becomes the thing that brings us joy and passion above seeing one person who is far from god coming back we have missed it and if we do that it's time for me to stop doing what i'm doing and move on honestly Because then we just become another religious institution. And so Jesus talks about this. But when our joy and our passion comes from creating teams, gathering people together to be able to go reach the lost, then, man, we are right where God's passion is. There's a natural pull in churches to religious activity, isn't there? It's just like a magnet and a a giant piece of metal. And I think that Jesus would say to today's church, man, we've got to be focused on the lost. We've got to be preparing our people to reach the lost. But we've got to be focused on the lost. We have to be people who love where we live because we love the people where we live. Secondly, we need to be people who say, I love where I live when I reach the community where I live. I love where I live. When I reach the community where I live, there's a great passage in Matthew chapter nine where where Jesus. I kind of picture him. This isn't like you know. This isn't like uh, necessarily accurate, but I picture Jesus. Walking on the hills or on the mountains, like surrounding Jerusalem, just he and God talking, he and just talking to God, and he looks over and he sees the city. Have you ever flown in, in an airplane? On, on you know, and you like either leave a city or, or you come in and you fly in and you land in a city and you look over and you either see at night all the lights. Or you may see the skyline. That's kind of the picture because they didn't have airplanes back in the first century, just so you know. Um, so anyway, that's a picture I have, though, of Jesus maybe walking on the hillside. And he, he looks over and he looks to his left or he looks to his right. And he sees that city that is so meaningful to him. The city where God's doing amazing things and will do incredible things in the future, Jerusalem. He looks over that city. And, and this is what we, we see here recorded in Matthew chapter 9. Check this out. Jesus went through all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming. That means, by the way, speaking with your mouth. We talked about it a little bit last week. The gospel, that means good news, the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, when he looked over his city, when he saw the population, it says he had what's that next word? compassion. Listen, a religious leader, Jesus was a rabbi, looked over his city and he didn't have judgment. He didn't hate them. He didn't mock them, or laugh at them. He had compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, Jesus was even, he was perfect. He was the son of God. And never once did he ever compare sinners' life and action to his life and action. He didn't judge them. But what Jesus did was he took the word of God and he took the redemptive story of God and he brought it to him. But it wasn't where he stopped. Look at verse 37. Jesus says to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Hilton Head Island Community Church, we're we're a population of roughly 40,000 who live on Hilton Head Island. Roughly 40,000. And two different studies tell us that 10% of our population attend church on on a weekly basis. It's possible that only a very smaller percentage than 10 actually are Christ followers. Do you think the harvest is plentiful? You bet it is. You bet it is. And that's why I believe that God has placed this church in this community for this time. That's our mission. And do you think that we don't have enough labors? You, you bet that's true. <laughs> we don't have enough labors. We don't have enough labors in our kids' ministry where each and every week that good news of the gospel message is taught to those kids. We don't have enough labors behind me on Wednesday night when we have our student ministry called The Well. We don't have enough labors to tell them about the gospel Message. We don't have enough labors, as Mark just mentioned, to go into our schools and in our communities and, and, and to, to share with them when we have the opportunity the love of Christ. But if each one of us would say, Hey, I'm available to God, I'm willing, He could use us. It'd be remarkable what He could do. And so, then we see in chapter 10, just that next chapter in the first verse, Jesus calling his 12 disciples. And gave them authority. Um, if you've ever read anything about the disciples, and this is probably a whole message series sometime, sometime there there were twelve of them, and and these were these were men who were um, they were kind of a hot mess. To be real frank with you, they were a mess. Jesus had to correct them. He he had to deal with their, their personalities and their temperaments. And oh man, these guys were all over the map. They wanted to change the mission. They wanted to bring Jesus down into the gutter. They wanted to, they wanted to be more religious. They wanted, they wanted everything to be different all the time. And by the way, they didn't look good or smell good. Most of them were fishermen. And back in that day, they didn't have things that helped fishermen smell better when they were out doing ministry, I'm just saying, okay? So, like, this was not a great... This was like a ragtag group of people. (laughs) He used them to bring the gospel message. He can use us. He can use us if we're willing to be used. And so he called the twelve... And then he sent them out. And so Jesus prayed when he saw the need. He called a group of people. He built a team, and then he sent them out and gave those guys the authority to do his work. You know who the team is? At Hilton Head Island Community Church, to reach our community, I'm looking at them. It's you. It's you. But we have a lot of places that we don't have any laborers. That's what today is all about. And so our response to, to those sinners should be that we love where we live and our community should be where we, uh, we love where we live because we love the people where we live. And we love where we live when we reach the community where we live. But finally, and this is the other side of the coin, is that we need to be people who say, I love where I live when I'm engaged where I am worship the very first group of people that became the first church that's recorded in the book of acts it's luke who wrote the gospel of luke continuing the story of the first church their rabbi the guy that they gave up everything to follow he died on a cross they put him in a tomb and three days later he was gone they were scared to death and then god sent the holy spirit to be with them And and tucked away in in Acts chapter two, we see this coming together of this very first group of Christians. I want you to check out Luke forty-two through forty-seven as as we bring things to a close today. It says this: It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. See, even back in the first church, they realized if they were going to gather people together, what did they need? Food. All right. So we. have a strong history in this all right so anytime we have food it works all right verse 43 that's just a little side note totally unrelated to anything I'm talking about and I don't know why I went down that rabbit trail but verse 43 he says this and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had things in common And they were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as had need. They helped each other out. They served each other, as you heard from from Mark uh, earlier today, Mark Elliott earlier today. And verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together, that's like coming in here on Sunday morning, they broke bread. There we go, second time they ate together. In their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, how often, day by day, your version they say daily, those who are being saved. You see, we cannot do this Christian life thing on our own. We can't be laborers to go love the people where we live and reach the community where we live if we're not attending to our own soul and growing in our own life and being involved in, in community that encourages us in our journey with God. And that's what groups are all about. That's what being involved in a group. Because that, I can stir you up and the Holy Spirit can speak to you. And you can learn something here on Sunday morning. But to, to share that life with each other doesn't happen on Sunday morning as much as it happens in group life. It's such an important piece. Of why we do what we do and how we do what we do. So if we're gonna be people who are involved in that, we've got to be involved in how we do things. Our strategy, you'll see this on the website, you'll see it on, on uh on the screen on Sunday mornings. Our strategy is, is a four-part strategy. Worship, that's what we do here on Sunday morning. We we grow, that's what we do in groups, and and here on Sunday morning. We serve and we play. Uh, but I've got to tell you that what we're talking about today is two of those. We're really talking about growing and serving. And and This is how this connects to you. Is if you're involved in in growing in your faith walk, but you're not involved in serving, you're heading for spiritual disaster. Likewise, if all you do is serve and you're not growing in your faith journey, you're heading for spiritual disaster. Years ago, I remember as a kid seeing the story of a train that was derailed in, in, in some Rural area somewhere and it caused all kind of problems in that community And they said the reason that it got derailed was one of the wheels of that train came off the tracks <clears throat> That's I guess what happens when a train and the wheels come off the tracks And You see the same thing will happen in our spiritual lives if we don't have The wheels of our spiritual life on both the track of serving God And serving our community and growing in our faith walk We need to be involved in both. And so if you and I are truly, truly on mission for God, we're going to love where we live when we love the people where we live, when we reach the community where we live, when we're engaged, where we worship. Imagine with me, church, if what happened in Acts chapter 2 were to happen on Hilton Head Island. Imagine for a moment if we were growing in our faith walk with other believers in group and community, and if we were serving and reaching and loving our community like Jesus did, it says in Acts chapter 2 that God had added to their number daily those who were being saved. Imagine if a year from today we have 365 new people accept Jesus as their Savior. Wow, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be incredible? to see God adding one person every day for the next year because of what he's doing in and through you and in and through this church. God, I thank you so much for your word, for your example. And God, I I pray that we would be people um, who take seriously our, our mission as a church to passionately share you And to lead people to follow you. And God, I pray that you would help us to get connected into the life of this church for this season. God, I pray that you would be with those who have been um, journeying with this church, with Hilton Head Island Community Church, with us for a while. But they've never really really explored uh, what it means to be involved in, in a group. Learning and growing and sharing and praying together. I pray that you would give them the courage and the ability to dive in today. And God, I pray for those who are here today and, God, um, yeah, they, they really um, have, have not really loved where they live in terms of loving the people that they live near and reaching into the community for you. God, I pray that you would help those of us who are here today. Who who maybe just want to be involved internally, God, to, to view our world and our neighbors and the students that we go to school with with a different lens. Not a judgmental lens, but God, with compassion, because they're lost. And God, I pray that you would do amazing things in and through Hilton Head Island Community Church over the next ten years. God, because we are on mission, because we are faithful to what you've called us to, that you would help us to to be faithful, each one of us, to what you've called us to so that we can see you do amazing things. God, we realize that we are powerless to save, but God, we're your tools, we're your vessel to be used to help point people to you. May we do that with integrity and with great stewardship, and may we do it well in our lives and in our church.